Hey everybody and welcome to the very first episode of the Graced Podcast. My name is Gracie Monaghan and I could not be more excited to be here with you today. So as I said, this is our very first episode and we have a very exciting topic that we're going to be getting into just now. And this topic, as you could see from the title, is redefining rest, the key to unleashing overflow. Now, I know what you might be thinking. How is it possible that I could be a person that is at rest and be achieving at such a high level? Well, I want to tell you that it is indeed a possibility and I'm going to give you all the tips and tricks on how to do exactly that. But before we get into today's episode, I would just like to tell you a little bit about what the Grace Podcast is exactly, what we stand for and how we came to be. So... I believe that I am an advocate for the grace of God and I am truly so passionate about helping you on your journey to realizing your God-given purpose and fulfilling your destiny. Now, the Grace Podcast truly is about the grace of God. Um, The Lord has recently put this on my heart, I'd say about two months ago. And to be honest with you, it it was quite a daunting thing, you know, because it's not something I've ever done before and it's quite outside of my comfort zone. But I feel very much like when you surrender yourself to the Lord and you say, you know what, Lord, what you've asked me to do, you can take care of. I will absolutely be a catalyst for it, but you will help me and you will guide me. And that is enough of a comfort. And that is what actually enabled me to start this podcast. I remember reckoning with the Lord over this for a little bit and saying, you know what, Lord, how how can I be qualified to do this? I, I don't think I am qualified to do this. And he, he said to me, you know what, Gracie, you don't qualify yourself for greatness, but the blood of Jesus does. And that is the very foundation that this whole podcast stands on. I don't believe that anyone in their own human effort can qualify themselves for the overflowing abundance and greatness that God has destined us all for, but we have access to it anyway because of the blood of Jesus. And that is what I am so passionate about communicating and conveying to all of you. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I can't wait to get to know you. And if you have any questions at all or just want to send me a message, head over to my Instagram and and DM me. I'd love to get to know you better. I will have a new episode dropping every Friday night. So don't forget to tune into that because I will have something fresh and relevant for you to hear every Friday night. So remember to tune into that. And without further ado, let's get straight into it. Truly, you've put yourself in a good environment today. It says in the Bible that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What's so amazing is that that scripture doesn't say faith comes by listening. The power of the word of God is not dependent on your ability to interpret it or to receive it. It is purely dependent on just the sheer goodness and the power and the majesty of God. Today, you've put yourself in an environment to build your faith and receive from what the Lord has for you. And when your faith is built, you become susceptible for your miracle. So today, as I said, we're going to be talking about rest. And this is a, a topic that I'm I'm very passionate about because just, you know, the Lord has really um, revealed so much 
to me in the past few weeks, past few months on this particular topic and shown me the benefits of finding true rest in my own personal life. And so I'm, I really can't wait to share all of this with you today. And um, I think that before we get into what exactly rest is, let's first address why why we struggle with this, why it's a controversial thing and get to the root of the problem. Um, you know, the world, the world tells us what rest is. It, it's come up with these excuses that are physical and carnal things for how to make ourselves feel a little bit better, feel a little bit more comfortable for where we are. Um, but that's not how rest works in the kingdom of God. I mean, the world tells us that rest is going on a family vacation, uh, taking a bath, doing some yoga, you know, like there's so many ideas of what rest is. But it's almost like there is there is more intentionality required. There is in a way, more work. It is more work to rest than to not because of how we have defined rest. And the way in which you define a thing will determine how you carry it out and how it affects your life. So we need to get our definition of of kingdom rest correct before we can actually start to live in the blessing and the benefit of what God has laid out for us within that. So I think that, you know, we live in a very hustle and bustle culture that says you have to work 10 times harder than your neighbor to to get what you want out of life, you know. And there is definitely a part of that that is true. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that um, that you don't have to work to be able to get result. But I am saying that this society that we live in today does definitely force this idea that you know, we've almost become sort of braggadocious about, about how hard we're working. Like I remember just recently I was in a conversation with somebody and they're telling me about how busy their schedule is. Oh, you know, I've got, I've got so much work to do in a day. I hardly get sleep in a night, but you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I'm almost thinking to myself, wow, I'm not sure how often I've heard somebody brag about how busy they are. Um, but I think that it's become a very common thing and we all very much do fall into this trap. But as the world defines rest, it is the absence of doing. But as the kingdom of God defines rest, it is the acknowledgement of what he has already done. And that is the key difference. And it's incredibly important to uh, understand that, to be able to find rest. So I think let's talk about what the rubbers of rest actually are. Um, you know, I was thinking about this this morning, like, you know, what am I, what am I going to talk about today, Lord? And he says, you know, it's time to define rest. And he, he dropped this particular thing on my heart where he said, guilt is the biggest rubber of rest. And man, is that true? You know, we have this chip in us as people, um, and especially as Christians, um, that, we have to do so much to be able to be deemed worthy and enough, you know, like whenever guilt comes into our hearts, so is an abundance of disbelief. When guilt gets into our hearts, the enemy has such a foothold because he's able to whisper into our ear, you know, you want to avoid how you feel now. Well, you can do this, 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 and this. You can work harder to make yourself better. You can, you can do 
so you know it you're up to your own effort to transform yourself but the thing is all of these little lies that he tells you pretty much try to convince you to believe that you are completely capable of transforming your entire reality by working harder now this right here is one of the biggest lies that the enemy has told us because he's working with our humanity he's convincing us that we are capable of doing everything that needs to be done to live in full prosperity and still be happy people he's trying to convince us that we don't need god and more than that He's praying on that little, that little thing inside us that says, how can I be worthy for all that I have been given? And he says, you know what? You just need to work harder. You just need to try a little harder because he knows that the prosperity and the blessing that God has for us is found within abiding in the presence of the Lord and resting, finding true rest. So in robbing us of rest... He knows he's robbing us of the provision that God has for us. And this is where guilt becomes a very dangerous thing. You know, you can't have guilt and be a happy person at the same time. You can't be a guilty person and be um, a person that's living in abundance. They go directly against each other. So that is very much a big robber of living in rest because it tells us we need to go and do more. It tells us we need to be more in our own human effort to be able to be deemed worthy by Jesus, especially when we put this in the context of, you know, as Christians, we all believe uh, while Jesus died for all my sins, he gave up absolutely everything for me, for my salvation. And that's very hard to receive when we see all, all of our faults, when we see all of our imperfections. But the first step to eliminating guilt in your life is realizing that God doesn't see you in the context of your sin. He doesn't. When God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He doesn't see your face. He doesn't see your sin or your imperfection or even your successes. Now that's crazy, isn't it? He sees his perfect son. He sees redemption itself. So it's not up to us to change the way in which God sees us because he already sees you as perfect. He sees you as whole. He sees you as the one whom he loves, the apple of his eye. You see, our job is to receive it. Not to go out and do more because we, have, we, we, we don't believe we've done enough. Because we don't believe we, we're worthy. You are worthy. But you have to believe you're worthy for the outworking of grace to be able to take a hold on your life and start producing. But all of this starts with rest. Now, I'm not telling you to go on a sabbatical or anything like that. I'm not telling you you need a, a super long break and, and to go on a, a holiday or something. But what I am saying here is that we need to start changing the way we see things. Now, the another big robber of grace, um, well, of rest, is thinking that our blessing is generalized, thinking that our provision is generalized. It's very easy to get drawn into the trap of thinking, um, you know, Jesus died so that I can go to heaven. Yes, he did. He did die to be your salvation, but he also died to be your provision. 
And that's the part that we discount the most. And then even if we do acknowledge that, a lot of the time we think, oh, the, these are these are generalized provision. And we actually tend to con- uh, like um, uh, confine the blessing and the provision of God only to the spiritual and unseen realm. But that's not it. You know, God has laid out every single blessing for it for us, but we have to realize that our blessings are unique and special and have our name on them to be able to say, Hey, that that's my portion. Jesus, give it to me and start asking things of the Lord. Another thing that is um, definitely a rubber of rest is not wanting to ask. Sometimes we think that because Jesus has already done so much for us on the cross that we, who are we to ask things of him? Well, you know what? The Lord delights in giving you the desires of your heart. Ask big of the Lord because he will provide bigger than you could ask, think, or imagine. Isn't that just such a wonderful thought? You know, the Lord actually encourages us to claim our blessings. He encourages us to ask largely of him. Um, you know what although these are all things that definitely do rob us of rest as I said in the beginning faith does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the word of God is not so fickle that it depends on our ability to interpret it and in this same way grace wouldn't be grace if it were dependent on us to fulfill it and that's what makes this so beautiful You can never exhaust your second chances. You can never exhaust God's favor and his love for you. He's not just randomly one day going to say, you know what? You've had 10 chances. You've had 100 chances. I'm going to leave you to do your own thing now. No, no. God will always offer you a way out of whatever you're in. But the most critical thing to seeing that is being in a place to purely receive from him. Now, um, there's actually such an amazing scripture, a scripture I really, really love. It's found in Matthew and it says, um, now I'm just paraphrasing here. <laughs> it says, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says, is life not more than food? Is the body not more than clothes? And he continues to talk about how the birds of the air don't sow, nor do they reap harvest, but they are provided for. The Lord provides for them. And he he continues to say that the Lord knows you need these things. You know, and that right there is what tells us that this, the blessings that God has for us are not confined to the spiritual realm. He knows that you need money. He knows that you need food and water. And he knows that you need people in your life and health. And I I truly do believe that God wants to give you access to your glorified body today. He wants to give you access to pure health, pure prosperity, and every single thing you need for life and godliness. In the Bible, um, I'm not sure where it is. I think it's in Isaiah. Um, It says, his chastisement for our peace. And what this is talking about, you see, if you take peace, the word peace, back to, I believe it is the Hebrew, you learn that it is shalom. 
And that means so much more than peace as we know it. It actually means prosperity. It means wholeness. It means health. It means victory. It means rest. You see, that right there is such a huge reason why Jesus did what he did. You see, I really do mean it when I say he's not just our salvation. He's also our provision. He knows exactly what you need. He knows when you need it and he is ready to give it to you, but it's your job to claim it. And the thing is that it's very difficult to claim things when we're so burnt out, when we are so tired and it is not at all God's portion for us to be stressed to be at a place of unease, you know, disease. And, you know, there's, um, there's a scripture in the Bible, I believe it's in Psalms. And this is David speaking prophetically, actually, about the Godhead speaking amongst, amongst themselves. And he, con- he, he gives it context by saying, this is the Lord speaking to the Lord. So this is God speaking to Jesus. And the scripture goes on to say, Come and sit at my right hand until I make all of your enemies your footstool. And now when Jesus died for us and we accepted him, there was a metaphysical change in our bodies, in our hearts and in our spirits where boom, our spirits became alive and they became one with Jesus. And boom, we became the body of Christ. You see, so we have been invited to go and sit down by God at his right hand until he makes every one of our enemies our footstool. And now what are these enemies? Uh, You know, I don't think God's really talking about that nasty woman you met at the grocery store. He's more talking about the enemies of godliness. He's talking about uh, sickness. He's talking about anxiety and worry and stress and fear. These are the kinds of things he's talking about. But he's also talking about physical things. He's talking about debt and financial turmoil. He's talking about relational issues. He's talking about loneliness and and all of these different things that massively affect our quality of life. You see, something I really love about this scripture is that this was written in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament... Um, priests, people would have to go to the priest to be able to relate to God. They had to have a a median to relate to God. And the priests weren't allowed to sit down until their work was done. So guess what? They never got to sit down. They were always standing. And in the New Testament, we are declared the royal priesthood. And and Jesus is considered the high priest. So the, the head of the royal priesthood. And he is told by God to come and sit at his right hand. And what does that tell us? That tells us that God has already provided for every single thing that you need. Every physical thing, every emotional thing, every relational thing. Do you know when we've already been provided for? Striving is counterintuitive because what it actually does is says that, you know, the perfect blessing that is ready, waiting at your front door, is not what you want. 
You want to go and prove that you can go and do it yourself. You want, you, you, you actually end up blocking the blessing is what happens. Because you have such a tailored and such um, a precious gift that the Lord is wanting to give you. And it's your job to receive it. You know, um, something that I think is honestly just wild is that a lot of the time we as people kind of say, you know, I don't need a rest. It's almost like a point of, um, of flexing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm able to work, work, work and work without resting. Like, I don't need that. And, um, it's just wrong. (laughs) I mean, look at God, the creator of heaven and earth on the seventh day, he rested he rested. This is God we're talking about. But we as the creation say, no, it's fine. I can work and work and work and I don't need a rest. See, God will never ask something of us without modeling it first. And that's exactly what he does here. He rests on the seventh day. And even in Old Testament, there was a law that, and this is a law given by God to the people, that the land had to rest every seventh year. So do you know what God would do? On the sixth year, he would provide so much harvest that they had enough for three years. They had enough for the seventh year where the land, what I mean by the land had to rest is that people weren't allowed to sow a seed. They weren't allowed to harvest. They had to leave the land to rest. So on the sixth year, God would provide enough for three years so that in the seventh year, the land could rest. In the eighth year, the people could sow, and in the ninth year, they, you know, the the seed could start to grow and flourish. And then again in the tenth year, they could they could harvest again and they could start again, start their cycle again. But isn't that just amazing? God knows exactly what your need is, so much so that He accounts for your provision through the filter of rest. <laughs> I think that's honestly so amazing. It's it's that you know, we we don't have to we don't have to live by the world's standards. We don't. God has given us a new standard. He has given us a new lifestyle, a new way of life. You know, I think honestly, one of the biggest problems we as a society are facing today is anxiety. So many people that I speak to will end up telling me, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with anxiety and it's crippling and it's, it's bad. And I see the fruit that this produces and it is, it's heartbreaking because people are suffering just to get by. Even if from the outside, they're okay, everything's okay. They, their emotional state is in such turmoil that they can't focus on anything else except for how bad they're feeling. And what kind of a place is that to live in? It's not. It's devastating and it's terrible. But God has a new way for us. He has a new way for us. And he has placed a peace on us that says, you are prosperous. You are righteous. You are enough. You just have to receive it. And, you know, a point in scripture that I really love to refer to, especially on, on this particular topic, and it's been such a, a, a benchmark uh, scripture for me, has been where Jesus is talking to us again. 
and he is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches, my father, the vine dresser, abide in me and I in you. Now, what's so amazing about this is as branches, you see, when, when we are saved and we accept Jesus into our heart, the vine dresser picks up the loose branch and engrafts it into the vine so that the branch now not only has access to the vine, it has access to the root. It, it even says in the scripture that the, um, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And boy, is this true. You see, as, as we go through life and as we, as we try to do things separate from God, do you know what actually happens? You will be able to win. Yes, you will be able to produce fruit. But you know what will happen? When pestilence comes, it'll rot the fruit. And you see, the blessing that we are able to produce by our own hands and human effort will always require more of us. And if we don't give it more of us, then it will either dwindle or lie stagnant. But the blessing and the fruit that God gives to us produces more abundantly of itself to, to serve us and to serve others. Now, back to the scripture is that a lot of the time, I think we, we think of this fruit as like it's the branch's responsibility to produce the fruit, but it's really not. In the world, yes, it's the branch's responsibility to produce the fruit, but in the kingdom of God, no, it's the root's responsibility to carry enough life and nutrients to the branches that it is able to then start naturally and effortlessly producing fruit. And that's exactly what happens, you see. Now, these fruits that are produced, you know, we've all heard of the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. The last one being self-control. And what's funny is that's, that's often the one we want first, you know, as soon as we get in, we're saved, we want self-control first. But the first one is love. And the first fruit that we bear when we abide in the root is love. And this isn't the love that says, hey, I can go now love my neighbor. You aren't able to love unless you know that you're loved. This is the love that gives you a revelation of Jesus's unmerited favor and unchanging love for you. And you see, when you have a revelation of that love, you then get a peace, a peace that says, oh, I'm enough. No matter what happens in this world, I know that nothing can take away God's love for me. And just before then, you'll get a joy, you know, and the joy of the spirit truly is something that there is nothing like it. There is nothing that this world can do to take it away. And there's nothing that it can do to give it to you. And, um, yeah, when you get that joy, you'll get the peace. And, like I said, peace is not just as the world defines it, but it is truly as the prosperity, as the victory, as the success. And in this scripture, it also talks about um, how the vine dresser cuts away the branches that aren't producing fruit of themselves. Now, I've heard people be very scared of this scripture because they say, what, now you just, the Lord's just going to kill me? No, that's not it. You see... Um, context is incredibly important 
in scripture. And um, if you take the word, the word cut away into the Hebrew, you actually learn that in this context, it means to cleanse. It means to cleanse it. And I think this is such a beautiful thing because that's exactly what the Lord does. You may be wondering, why is it that I believe in God? I, I am a Christian, I'm saved, and I'm still not seeing the prosperity in my life. If that's where you're at, then the best thing that you can possibly do is say, Lord, cleanse me. And how do you get cleansed? You sit. You sit in his presence. Now, when you build something in life, when you are doing something and, and um, the Lord is on it, there will always be attacks. If you're building a business, a God-ordained business, there will always be things in this world that try to come and shut it down. But the Lord, this is his promise to us, will come and clean away the pestilence so that the fruit cannot rot. So this fruit is in you and then it begins to produce more abundantly in every area of your life. You see, what's so beautiful about the blessing of God is that it can't be contained to one area of your life. It, it spreads. It spreads like a rash everywhere. Better than a rash. Much better than a rash. But it, it becomes contagious and it goes into every part of your life. And before you know it, you're like a cup that is so overflowing that even the saucer is getting the goodness. And you see, when you are that person people are going to want to be around you because you won't be able to contain the blessing that God has actually placed on your life so much so that the people around you are going to start to benefit from this blessing. And that is truly, ah, oh, what an amazing thing. I don't know about you, but there's some people in my life who I just want to be around because I know that when I'm around them, mm, I'm going to get blessed. And the thing is that you have the power to be that person for so many people around you, an enabler, a blessing, a catalyst for the glory and the blessing of God. And now, I think that if we look at um, the the promised land, we look at the promised land and the Israelites who, you know, they went on that that forty year voyage. <laughs> Uh, through the wilderness until they eventually got to the promised land. Now, they say that this was only meant to be an 11-day journey. But, you know, I truly believe that the Israelites weren't ready for the blessing that God had for them. I mean, we, when we hear about the promised land, it's pretty magnificent. You will live in houses you did not build. And the promises are just, they keep on coming. And the main trend of this is that you will get to benefit from all of the things that you need in such great abundance, but you didn't have to do the work to get them. And you see, this is a type and a shadow of the blessing that God has for us in Christ. You see, the promised land to the modern day believer is actually rest. When you get to enter into rest, you will live in houses that you did not build. You will benefit such great financial success, such great health in your body, um, 
all of these things, these, these benefits that you did nothing to get, but you've got them. And you see, I think that I've heard this said, you know, the Israelites spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness for, and they'll give many different reasons, you know, like, oh, they, they were ungrateful or, oh, they, uh, they wanted to do things by their own works. You know, I truly believe that the Israelites were not ready to enter into the promises that God had for them. And that's why they spent 40 years in the wilderness because they were still trying to live legalistically. You see, even when they were in the wilderness, God provided manna for them every single day. And he gave them a double portion of manna on the sixth day so that they could rest on the seventh day. Their only job was to get out of the tent to receive the manna. And that is our only job. Get out of your tent. And now your tent may be many different things. It could be the hustle and bustle of work. It could be the the family strife. It could be just the chaos of your life. To step outside of it and go and receive the everlasting blessing that is unique and specific to what God has for you in your current season. That's our only job. You know, I think these, the Israelites, they just, they weren't ready because there had to be a shift in their spirits. They had to see this is all we can produce. This is what happens when we, when we have to relate to God through what we can do. We spend 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. They had to come to a realization of we can't do this on our own. And you know what's funny is they weren't fully even on their own. God still provided manna for them. God still guided them through the wilderness. But there had to be a change of heart. There had to be a shift for them to say, we need the promise. We need the rest. And, you know, um, I think that this rest that we receive from God, it truly is different to what the world gives us. It, it, it's completely different because the rest the world gives us is superficial. And what I mean by this is that when your body receives rest, your spirit is not rested. You know, like the, the rest that your body receives doesn't seep into your spirit. But the rest that your spirit receives seeps into your soul and then into your body. And that right there is the difference between worldly rest and spiritual godly rest. The world will tell you, hey, go take a bath. Well, guess what? You can take a bath. Your body will feel fantastic, but your spirit still needs what it needs. But when you abide in the presence of the Lord, your soul becomes rejuvenated. Your spirit becomes new and that leaks over into your body. There have been times I'll come out of being in the presence of the Lord and you know what? You know what actually happens? I feel so much better. My body feels better. I feel like, hey, I've got energy. I'm excited for what I'm doing today. I know that God's going to meet me where I am. And before you know it, there's just a change. There's just an abundance and it's actually an accumulated effect. Now, resting in the presence of the Lord once a week, listen, that will do something for you. 
it, it will carry into the other days, but it accumulates and compounds when you do it every day. Um, you know, I think a lot of the times we think that um, rest is not doing anything, but that's not true, man. <laughs> rest is actually something that enables you to then go and do spirit-guided activity. That's actually, that's something that I learned from Joseph Prince right there. Is he, he said, I think, in, in one of his, one of his uh, sermons, rest is not an absence of activity. It's spirit-guided activity. And boy, is that true. Um, there have been so many times where I'll, I, I would have been sitting on my couch, you know, watching TV, and I just get scratchy, like... Like, why am I, I'm bored, you know, and I need to get up and go do something. And that's because that's not true rest. That's physical relaxation. There's a difference between relaxation and rest. So I think let's, let's talk a little bit about more specifically what God's vision for his people is. Um, and then secondly, what exactly we can do to enter into God's rest and start receiving the prosperity. So, you know, it, a great way to see what God's intention for us is, is to go and have a look at the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve before humanity fell. There, I truly believe that there wouldn't have been any aging. There wouldn't have been any sorrow. There was just joy. And Adam before Eve came along, wouldn't have actually had to do much work. He just would have had to steward what God has given us. Well, what God has given him. And that's actually, that's again, what our mandate is. It, ours isn't only purely to receive. It is to firstly receive and then to steward, to take care of, to bring back to the Lord. But, you know, this is how it was in the Garden of Eden. And then they ate the forbidden fruit, which gave them the knowledge of good and evil. And you see, what actually then happened was, it says in the Bible, they became aware of their nakedness and felt ashamed. In the Bible, we see a trend of covenants. You see, a covenant isn't just an agreement. A covenant always has to do something with the, the shedding of blood. Um... And this, I think, is the first covenant between God and man. See, after they become aware of their nakedness and felt the shame, God went and he killed an animal and gave them the pelt to cover themselves. Now, this is just a little side note right here is, man, God meets us where we are. He's always got something to make us feel better about our current reality. But do you know what? Adam didn't reject the pelt. He said, thank you. Well, I don't know if he said thank you, but he accepted it. it. That is there, another example of how it's our job to receive. And you see, that right there was, was the first covenant. And what happened was God cursed the ground. He said to Adam, you will have to labor by the sweat of your brow. That implies that's, that's not how it was before then. But it was then how it was going to be going forward. And that's how law became introduced. It, it, it comes in a little bit more heavy a, a bit later with Moses and the Ten Commandments. But that's how it started. And um, pretty much the ground was cursed. 
and and man was told you will labor by the sweat of your brow. And now fast forward to when Jesus comes. This is about 24 hours before he um he's going to be crucified and he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. This is when he asks Lord, he says, Lord, take this cup from me. Um, but it says that he became deeply anguished and he began to sweat blood from his brow and the blood hit the floor. And it was in that moment that the curse was broken. Boom. Now all who are in Christ, the new Adam, the better Adam shall not have to have to labor by the sweat of their brow, but it is now restored back to better than pre-brokenness. It is now full righteousness because we are one with the body of Christ. Now, the curse is broken, but we have to believe that the curse is broken. The provision is there, but you have to believe it's there to be able to receive it. So I think let's get talking about how you can receive the rest and the provision that the Lord has for you. So a lot of the time, I think we can get very caught up in the mundaneness and familiarity of being in the presence of the Lord. Do you know what I mean? Like it can kind of be like, you know, oh, yes, I read a scripture today or, oh, yes, I took communion on Sunday um, or you you listen to a worship song or something and it almost becomes um, like a task, like an assignment that you have to do. But that's not how it needs to be. And I'm not trying to say, oh, you're doing something wrong and this is how you need to be doing it better. No, I just, I think that we do need to acknowledge though how things can become familiar familiar, and how we can take these things for granted so that we can grow and become better. And um, truly to be able to enter into the rest of God, we need to realize the value of it. We need to realize I am in the precious presence of the Lord and we need to realize, hey, this is a blessing. This is a special thing. And don't get caught up in the routine of it. Like, oh, I'm going to listen to this exact song at this time and I'm going to do this and this and this. No, let the Lord lead you. And something I really like to do and honestly has been probably the most beneficial thing for me has been sitting down in my chair, putting on some worship music and just sitting and listening. Say, Lord, come and meet me here. And that has always been enough. It's been enough because my... My relationship with the Lord is not dependent on on my ability to pray good or to sing good or to worship good. It's dependent on the fact that I know that the Lord's going to meet me there, which leads me to my next point. Expectation. Come expecting something. Ask big of the Lord. Say, Lord, give me this mountain. Lord, I expect this provision. Lord, I expect you to do this. Um, and I, man, I've seen this in my own personal life, you know, um, not too long ago, my, my eldest brother, he got diagnosed with cancer with, um, it was, it wasn't looking too good because the doctors were thinking, you know what, it's, 
at least stage two could be stage three. Um, and you know, we were all just kind of thinking this is tough, but it is at least like we know that the Lord is going to heal him. And that would be the least surprising thing he does in this. And you know what? Nine weeks from then, he was completely healed. No cancer, nothing. Even the scar where they had to take out the lump, you, you can hardly see it. And it's just like Lord, the Lord leaves no stone unturned. But you need to expect it because this is the God we're dealing with. Sometimes we see the majesty of the God of the Bible, the, the God that split the Red Sea in two. We still serve him. But the devil likes to try to make us think that because this is a different time because things are more modern, he uses familiarity to dumb down things. Oh, you know what? That's, that's a story is what he likes to tell you. That's a story from the Bible. You're different. It's not going to be like that for you. Don't be crazy. These are the kinds of things he likes to tell us. But God's not a respecter of persons. If he can do it for Moses, Joshua, Noah, he can do it for you. And if you expect him to, he will. So believe it and receive it. And then the the third thing that I, I want to talk about is changing our perspective of God. Sometimes we think that, you know, God's very distant, but he's not. He's right here with us. He loves us. I believe it's in, in one of the Psalms. I think it's uh, Psalm 91, I think. I have to check that. But it speaks about how no matter where I go, should I make my bed in the lowest hell, you are there. That means that no matter how far away from God you are and you've accepted him into your heart, he's still there and he still loves you. It's not our job to work for God. And this is something my dad has told me, and I really value this, is um, we work with God. God wants to work with us. And boy, is that true. You know, God wants to work side by side along with us. We, we get to serve him, but he wants to do it with us. He doesn't want us to do it for him. He, wa- he wants to be close with us, be friends with us. So see God as the one who loves you, the one who will always be for you, be there for you, and the one who will always provide for you. And now I think that's pretty much it for today. I could talk about this topic for hours and hours, but I'm going to cut it off here. So I want to thank you so much for joining in with me today. And I'm really praying that in this, this week, you would get to feel the rest and the blessing and the prosperity of God. And just as a side note, something I'd like to attach here is that The reason I only do one of these a week is because I will set a theme for the week. I truly think that every single scripture the Lord has for us is so powerful that every single time we read it, we can come away with a new revelation. And that's why I want to give you time to think these things through really maximize on the revelation that God wants to impart to you and receive fully so even if you head over to my instagram um you'll see that every day i do stories every day i I have the the scripture of the day the question of the day and the uh i think it's the quote of the day yeah forgetting my own stuff now (laughs) 
And um, every day I'll have a new post for you that keeps you clued in as a reminder for this particular theme and just an encouragement because I I want to encourage you. I want to help you. And it matters so much to me that you feel the love of God. And um, honestly, if any of you guys have any questions or or anything you're wondering about, feel free to DM me on Instagram. And I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to get to know you. And I just want to leave you with this. God loves you. No matter what you think you've done, no matter how undeserving you think you are, he loves you more than you can imagine. You are enough. You are made righteous and holy. And it's going to be a fantastic week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest and the prosperity God has for you. And now with that, I hope you have an amazing week. And I'll see you again next week.